Welcome to the LC Parent Podcast, where we get real about the struggles, victories, and laughs we share as parents. All right. Welcome to the LC Parents Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, We hope that you'll join us every month to listen in while we have conversations with parents and experts who really just share their experiences and knowledge to help all of us on our parenting journey. We hope that you'll find at least one good nugget from each episode that'll give you encouragement and confidence as you are raising your children to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Also, we hope that you'll join our community in the LC Parents Facebook group. Um, One of the most helpful things for me when I was raising my girls was knowing that, you know, I wasn't alone. I think oftentimes parents feel isolated, particularly when they're experiencing challenges in their parenting. Uh, It's ironic that millions of books have been written about parenting, but none was written for my one kid, you know. So, but we're not alone. And in the Facebook group, you can ask questions of the community. You can get advice. You can seek prayer. You can share funny stuff. A lot of our parents share great pics and videos of their kids just to encourage each other. So come join us in the LC Parents Facebook group. We want you to be a part of that. I'm Allie Evans. So I am the next gen group leader at Life Church, And essentially that just means that I've had the blessing and opportunity for the last 19 years to lead this staff that leads all of kids and student ministry at our locations. And just a huge honor and privilege that I have to get to spend time with you each month. All right, so right now what I want you to do is grab a cup of coffee or jump on your treadmill. Don't do both. I don't want you to have coffee on your treadmill. But let's get ready for a great episode. I'm super pumped for you guys to hear from a friend of ours, TJ Warren. He's the Director of Programs for Stand in the Gap Ministries. And a few weeks ago, I had uh, TJ um, train our kids and youth staff. We did this huge virtual training event, like 125 of us on the call, and um, from all of our locations, all the kids and youth staff. And really, he, he helped us understand how to recognize and respond with love and grace to those kids who have experienced trauma. And we recognize that during this season, a lot of kids are experiencing things that they may not have ever otherwise experienced. And so we just learned a lot from him. But while he was leading us, it didn't take long before we realized that the information that he was sharing with us is so helpful to every single parent out there. And so, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, some of our children have experienced real trauma. Um, some of you may be foster or adoptive parents, and, and you have a kiddo who has experienced some trauma. Um, certainly you'll learn, but every parent out there is going to be able to grab um, certainly one or two things that they can apply to their parenting right now. So I'm super pumped for you guys to meet TJ. TJ, thank you so much for being here. Allie, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, it's been a blessing to partner with you guys over the years. I'm just excited to hang out with you and chat for a while. Yeah, I'm pumped for our parents to hear from you. Um, it was funny, you know, if you got any of you guys have ever been in one of those big Zoom calls or a big conference call or what have you, there's the chat off to the side. And so while TJ was training all of us, there were so many people just blowing up the comments saying, oh my goodness, I, I wish I would have known this when, you know, my children were born or, you know, what have you. So I'm, I'm excited for you to be here. One of the things that I like to do, TJ, is make sure that our content is really actually practical and helpful for our community of parents at Life Church. Sure. And some of the questions are actually a vast majority of questions that we get from parents in our Facebook group or in our Instagram comments are around somehow centered around discipline or managing our children's behavior or 
helping to control, you know, how our kids are acting and some of those kinds of things. Everybody wants tips on that. I know I certainly did when my kids were younger. So one of the things that you emphasized over and over in the training is that oftentimes we're going to have behaviors, even as adults, based on all kinds of things. So knowing how to respond to the behavior probably isn't as important as knowing how to understand where the behavior is coming from. So I wanted to start there because I know that all, we, we want to be able to fix the behavior, you know, or I want, to, I, want to, I want to be closer to my kid. I want to understand my kid. So help us understand what's behind that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we've started to ask ourselves, well, how do we interact with young people in a way that's restorative more often than punitive? The majority of our interactions when, when we're trying to correct behavior or trying to correct thinking or whatever it might be, the best course of action long term is to try to develop skills and understanding to have uh, restorative responses, which a way to think about it is if I'm interacting with my young person, I'm as I discipline or as I correct, I want to in my language and how I connect with them biologically, I want to, I want to pull them toward me rather than push them away. And there are times to send your young person to their room to, to like de-escalate and calm down. But very often that's the only thing that we use is we'll push that young adult out of community and say, go to your room or go away and think about what you did. Um, And when you apologize, you can come back. But how in that moment can we pull them in and process with them or help them to calm down so that we can have a restorative kind of interaction and connection with them? If we can identify what's driving the behavior, that's that's where we want to get. And so at Stand in the Gap, we talk a lot about in engaging the heart of a young person rather than engaging them on their face value of behavior. We don't want to interact with just the behavior solely and get that cor- that behavior corrected. We want to kind of sidestep that behavior and aim our response at their heart. Let me, can I ask you a quick question? Because you're saying yeah. something that sounds very consistent with often the conversations we have around leadership. So just us mm-hmm. as adults, you know, in, in, in our context here at Life Church with pastoral staff, we talk a lot about how our behaviors or our responses to things are oftentimes based on our beliefs, right? So our beliefs are the things that oftentimes shape our behaviors. And I think what I'm hearing you say is we want to get behind the behavior. What's the belief, perhaps, mm-hmm. that an inappropriate belief that this child might have about the degree to which they're safe to, to share truth with you or or whatever. Does, is that, am I on the right track there? Yeah, totally on the right track. As, as adults and then as parents, we have such a beautiful responsibility not to just cultivate what our young people believe or, or how they think, but what they love and Ooh. how they love. Because it's the heart of a person that moves you through life, that orients you to that idea of what you think is most important. And so if we begin with our, our, our children in a young age, engaging them, creating environments of safety, uh, making sure we're engaging eye to eye, we're, we're helping them walk through why it was bad to have a meltdown, but we're not doing it in isolation. We're doing it in community. And the concept that, that we teach here is that there's always something behind the behavior. And so if we just deal with the behavior, we're never getting to the something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. For instance, like if a young adult is having a meltdown in Target, like I said, because they didn't get the candy bar, being able to say, instead of looking at them and saying, what's your problem? Just with that you know, sentence, you've already isolated them with your words. You said, your 
you said singular. And so you said, this is your problem, not mine. And so you, we need to get it fixed. You need to fix this problem. But what, sometimes what we can do is say, hey, buddy, what's our problem? Because I love you. I'm your dad. I want to make sure that even if it's, this is an embarrassing meltdown, that I am communicating to you that we are in community together. And that I'm here to help you regulate, here to help you solve this. So I, I know that in our training, you were sharing this kind of a scenario that, you know, the kid is flipping out, they're laying on the floor at, at Target, they can't have the candy bar. And you talked about, you used the term, their lid was flipped. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, for sure. So being able to, you know, starting off with learning how to have restorative responses, we, we have to have a, we have to examine things biologically and just kind of see what's going on. Like when my young, when my kiddo is flipping out on the target floor, what's actually going on biologically in their little brain, there's a really easy way to break the brain down and kind of the functions that it has. You have your brain stem, uh, which is a very primal part of your brain. It helps you stay awake or go to, it controls your sleep cycles. It controls all the autonomic things or the automatic things that happens, your eyes blinking, your lungs filling with air while you're sleeping, those types of things. And then on top of that, you have your, your limbic system. So your limbic system is a little bit more advanced portion of your brain that's controlling, stores all your memories. It creates almost all your emotions. So this is the fight, flight, or freeze response of your body. You can kind of think of the limbic system as the alarm of the body, right? And then on top of that, you have your prefrontal cortex, which does all the higher thinking. It, it helps you with your coordination, throwing the ball in the backyard with dad and helps you learn words as mom and dad read to you at night. And so it categorizes all the logical understandings. And so when a young adult's lids flip, the brain is always communicating really well. And the limbic system, which is the emotional part of the brain that's, that's producing those emotions of anger and frustration, um, is normally regulated by the, the prefrontal cortex that helps you logically regulate and say, oh, this isn't a big deal. I'm going to calm down now. But in our young kiddos, their little brains are developing. So that communication is, is growing over time. And so you might have a two, three, four, five, six-year-old who has a meltdown because you say no to the candy bar. And it's that's just a lack of that rational brain being able to keep in control that emotional brain. And so what's happening is that limbic system is going at full bore with all those emotions and they're getting flooded with all these feelings that they don't know how to control. Their, their prefrontal cortex is having a hard time regulating those. And so you get a lip, uh, flipped lid in that. And so what that means also is that that logical brain, that processing brain is not functioning very well in that moment. So a lot of the times it's, you can't look at your six year old and say, Hey buddy, let's talk about why you're freaking out because that portion of their brain is not functioning as well. They're really functioning out of that limbic system that's causing that anger and frustration. So what we want to do in those moments is have language that helps reduce that anxiety. So instead of raising our voices, we want to say, hey, buddy, what's our problem? Are you okay? Did I say something? Are you hurt? Are you okay? And so having calming language can help get that lid back on so that four, five, six, seven, ten minutes later, we can have a conversation about the behavior. But until that happens, it's very difficult to have a conversation about the behavior. So in that interim moment, we want to have skills of, of helping de-escalate, right? De-escalate that anxiety, that frustration, that anger that I didn't get the candy bar. And then once we can get them calm, we can say, hey, buddy, when, you, when, when we had a meltdown, um, it was it was really hard, and I know it's I, dad has to tell you no sometimes, and that doesn't mean that dad doesn't love you. 
It just means that we may not have the money in the budget or we it's not good to eat chocolate right before dinner. So those types of things and take them through that. So uh, flipped lid is, is kind of a funny concept for helping people understand that there's a biological mechanism happening here. And sometimes in the in the faith realm that we all live in is is obviously the brain, the heart and the soul are all integrated and connected. But sometimes we want to jump to saying, oh, this kid is just rebellious. And so this behavior needs to be corrected. But that's true. But we have to correct that behavior in a restorative context, not a punitive context. Yeah. So in the moment of the screaming, fit throwing, we can't have the logical conversation yet. How do I de-escalate? What are mm-hmm. the things that I say in that moment? Because that's not the time for the, hey, buddy, or, you know, I just know you're mm-hmm. mad because I'm get, not giving you a candy bar. How do I de-escalate at that point? One of the, one of the skills that I've seen over, over the years that, have been, that has been helpful for me for young people who are really living out of that limbic brain at the moment and they're freaked out is keeping your voice calm, not letting their yelling and screaming get you to yell and scream because that will just perpetuate the biological response. Number two, uh, a really good thing is to ask them what they need. Are you okay? Did you get hurt? Do you need something? Um, Are we okay? What is the issue? So trying to figure out what the problem is and helping them start to be able to communicate to you why they're doing what they're doing. So kind of like we say, you know, use your words, you know, but asking questions. So you're, you're keeping your voice calm and you're saying, and you start asking questions. What, because asking questions demands that 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 logical brain start engaging with you again so that I can give words to what you're asking me. And so just saying, hey, buddy, what's our issue? What's our problem? Are you okay? Did I say something or do something? So the reason that I keep saying, did I say or do something, that can be a really helpful tool that even empirically, you know, as an adult, I did nothing in this situation to cause this. But sometimes if you direct the conversation to yourself and say, hey, did I do anything? Sometimes that can help that young adult realize that, oh, no, you didn't do anything, but I want this thing over here. Um, it is, it, it's kind of hard to communicate how that works sometimes, but I, I've seen that as a useful tool. Also being able to engage with that young adult in a way that helps them feel safe. So if they know you're angry and mad or you're frowning and getting really upset, it's okay to get upset. Like that's going to happen. But how do we communicate that in our face? Like if that kid looks at you and you are just fuming, they're, they're going to be like, Oh no, dad, I'm totally getting grounded or I'm you know, going to really get in trouble for this. But helping cultivate a sense of safety will help get that logical brain back on so that we can say, Hey buddy, I just want you to know I, I'm not mad. You know, let's say they're let's say they're 10 years old and they do throw a fit and kind of embarrass you in front of your friends or whatever. You can be honest. Being honest with your your young adults and in helping them see what their behavior does to you as their dad or their mom or their caregiver in general. Just saying, "Hey, I'm not mad, but back there when this happened, it made me feel this way. Did you know that?" And what that what that does is it helps put words and and weight to their responses and their emotions and the, their actions that, oh, wow, you can start helping your young person learn that what they do has, has emotional consequences on the people around them. And if you can do that in a way that's safe, you can get a lot of work done because you can say, admit to the, your child or to whoever you're talking to that I was hurt and I want you to know that, but I'm not angry with you. 
but I want you to know that your behavior has this repercussion on me or saying things like, hey, when you said this to your sister, I think it made her feel this way. Did you know that? And you always want to have them answer you because answering you is is part of teaching them to process through those that weightiness. Um, and rather than just saying, you hurt your sister, go to your room, you don't want to stop there because you want to bring them full circle to processing through that that pain that was caused in a way that what it brings them towards you and so when you ask questions it doesn't push away it brings them towards you and forces them even if they're sitting there with their their arms crossed you know you can be patient and just keep asking the question and say hey buddy before we leave this conversation i would like for you to answer me um and does that make sense it like really helps bring full circle that our actions, our behaviors have weightiness to the people around us. Our culture is really uncomfortable with this because it, it's, it causes vulnerability between the person who's supposed to be in, in a leadership role or in quote-unquote control. And so um, we're afraid of this as parents to make ourselves vulnerable to our children. And even to the people that we love the most, it's sometimes it's in our culture, it's very difficult to say the beautiful things, the things that mean the most to the people that mean the most to you because we don't want to get hurt. And that's a natural response. And so this is a way that us as adults, since we have the weightiness of cultivating our children, we have to be willing to be vulnerable um, and not put my identity in how my child responds to me or doesn't respond to me. That as believers in Jesus, if our identity is in him, then we can make ourselves vulnerable, even to the least of these, even to children. Right. I uh, I have a couple of kids living with me right now. And yeah. the other day I responded. I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't always have the best responses, you know, and I saw him do something and I just assumed the worst. And so I responded with, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it just, I could see the immediate shock and he, whatever it was he was doing, he didn't, he didn't mean to, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, you know, I realized but actually because of going through that training with you, I thought I, that was not the right way to respond. So mm-hmm. after I kind of, cause my adrenaline was up after I kind of chilled, totally. I called him and I said, listen, I, I could see that I scared you and it, I should not have responded that way. That was not okay. But can you explain to me what was happening in the kitchen and he, you know, of course he wouldn't talk. And I said, listen, I want, I want you to forgive me. Will you forgive me for my response? Because at this point, I, I really just want to know what was happening in the kitchen. Cause I just need to know if there's something that you need that is not available mm-hmm. to you. Cause he was digging through mm-hmm. drawers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, all of that to say, I had to humble myself and apologize mm-hmm. to a child, which you're mm-hmm. right. Um, that is a different posture for most of us. You know, we don't necessarily want to give up that level of control. But what was great was we had an awesome conversation after that. He did forgive me. And I said, you know, gosh, I would hate for you to ever respond to someone the way I just responded to you. And he was like, yeah, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that. (laughs) I was like, I'm sure you wouldn't because you're nice. Um, But anyway, you had talked about too. You mind if I say something about that? No, yeah. I'm just, I just want to say I'm really proud of you because that's, that's it. Everything I do, the majority of what I do in my life is to help people do that because like the amount of dignity in that conversation of coming and saying, gosh, I blew it and let me take you through how I blew it. 
they learn so much. And our young people are so smart. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy in our culture to buy into this idea that children just need to be corrected and they need to have their, we need to help give them the correct behaviors, but they are processing individuals. They are very intelligent. And so when you say, Hey, give him the dignity of, of, of helping him realize that he is smart enough and you actually communicating in that, that he can process that with you. That is huge. And that is the type of dignity and value that those types of conversations bring to those young people. And so, I don't know, that excites me. And it emulates the gospel. That's the gospel, is humbling ourselves to the least of these, putting ourselves underneath those who we don't think we should be underneath. That is the fundamental reality of the gospel, that the God of the universe who spoke the world out of nothing subjected himself underneath all of humanity. He became nothing in order that we could become safe with with our God again. That is the fundamental story of the gospel. And that is, that is, you are living Jesus's ministry to that young person in that moment when you do that. Oh, good. <laughs> and it's, that's, that's the reality. So I, I know that sounds hyperbolic. I've had so much time walking through all sorts of different relationships with adults and young people. And the reality is that these types of little situations are are very often the ones that we don't even give license to, but are the most powerful gospel cultivating dignity, cultivating machines that we have in our life. Um, so anyways, that's just exciting. Good. And, and I was, I would say like you did be patient with yourself because we're all going to mess this up and the power of messing it up is being able to then on the back end, come to that young person and say, man, my identity is in Jesus, so it's nothing for me to humble myself before you because I have to help you learn. And you're going to learn from my mistake right here. I'm going to set it out before you. I'm going to ask for your forgiveness, and we're going to process and love each other, and we're going to move on. That is yeah. so powerful. That's good. And isn't it interesting how that principle applies to all of our relationships, not just our relationships with our children? Most how, definitely. You know, how often am I not willing to be humble and, you know, with my husband or whatever. Mm. Um, we are, I can't even believe this, but we're already running short on time. And there is one thing in particular that you shared with our team that stood out so much. And it was the, uh, you talked about regulating, um, and what that means and then kind of a process you go through. So if you could spend the next five minutes or so and, and help us understand what that even, what does it mean to regulate? Mm-hmm. What is the value in doing that? So at Stand the Gap, we kind of teach what's called four R's of engagement. It's kind of cheesy, corny, whatever. But uh, and it helps. <laughs> it's really powerful. Uh, and so we generally, a lot of us really do this automatically. So um, as an example, when you sit down for a meeting at work, um, there's not normally one person with their feet up on the desk when there's nobody else with feet up on the desk, right? right? Why do we do that? Well, it's because we biologically regulate on each other automatically. But sometimes in our culture, what we see is adults will not regulate on young people because they don't think that they need to. And so we kind of forgo some of that biological regulation with young people that actually draws them in. And so what we kind of help adults teach is that if you want to be a good leader of young people, a really powerful way to do that is when you first see them is to mirror their behavior. Okay. So regulating on something, someone is mirroring their behavior. That's what that means. Yes. So the first R is regulate. Second is rest. Third is reason. 
and fourth is remind. So in the first stage of engaging with someone, you want to regulate with them. So you want to mirror their behavior. In this situation, you're kind of emotionally engaging kind of feeling out where that person is emotionally and trying to go there. So if that young person is frumped over with their arms crossed, you don't, you want to kind of have the emotional uh, sensibility of being kind of frumped over with your arms crossed as well so that you can engage with them on the same plane. And then once you emotionally engage with that person, you can move into the resting, which is number two, which is this is a body type thing. So we go from engaging with the emotions to regulating or resting in our bodies. So we're starting to turn to each other. We're looking at each other in the eyes. You're leveraging commonality, which that means if you if you both like Pokemon, you talk about Pokemon and you start laughing about it and thinking about it. So you see that young adult, you go where they are. You, you regulate with them emotionally, then you move into resting with them, talking about something that you like together. You're getting biological connection there. And then you can move into reasoning, which is more, we have a serious issue we need to discuss. So these first two steps help prime us for exciting discussions and serious discussions. This is very strategic. If you're a parent and you know that your uh, 16-year-old, uh, you know, said something to their teacher they shouldn't have and got a detention. If you walk in their room and say, why did you say that to your teacher? You're already putting that young adult on their back heels. They're not ready for it. They're not emotionally ready and they're not biologically ready to have a rational discussion. So if you see where that young adult is, regulate on them, rest with them, and then say, hey, buddy, I heard this happened at school. We have, a, we have to reason about this together. We have to have a discussion. And then you end those engagements with reminding which means you always remind that young person about their stance and relationship with you. This is engaging the heart. So we're regulating, engaging emotions, resting, engaging the body. We reason, we're engaging the mind. And then to wrap this whole engagement up, we always say, hey, buddy, I know you're going to be grounded for a month because you said that to your teacher, but I want you to know that I still love you. Do you believe that? And there again, end it with a question. Make them say yes or no. Because if they say no, you say, okay, looks like we have more to discuss. Why, do, why don't you think I love you? Well, let me show you why I love you. And your behavior is secondary to how much I love you and how safe I need you to feel in this relationship. And if we do that time and time and time again, what we're doing is we're, we're creating a habit of engagement that cultivates the life of our young children toward us rather than away from us. A lot of the times what we'll do is we'll reason, we'll give a consequence, and then it's over because we're mad and we'll leave the room. And we never remind that child that we still love them regardless of their behavior. Although their behavior is going to get corrected, what we, what we say at Stand in the Gap is we never want to um, excuse behavior, but we have to engage it in a way that's restorative and not punitive because restorative engagement brings that child or that person side to side with me in close in community creates safety. And then at that's when things really change. That's when behavior starts really changing rapidly when we can create uh, safety and we can engage their heart um, and we can identify with them. And so um, regulate rest, reason, remind is a, is a great tool to use when you're walking up those stairs and you're, you're super mad. You know, if you can take a few breaths and walk in the room and say, hey, buddy, how was school today? Or and then you sit down on the bed and say, is that a new poster in your 
room. That's a cool poster. Where did you get that? Oh, mom got that for you. That's, that's really cool. Hey, do you mind if we have a discussion? Because we have some serious things we need to talk about. And I just want you to know that we need to have this discussion right now. Okay. And you prime them for that. And then you go into the consequences The the, we, I can't let this fly as your dad, but at the end of this, I'm always your dad and I'll always love you and protect you. Do you believe that? Yes, I do. Okay. Now we can walk in these That's consequences good. together rather than saying, these are your consequences. You got to go through them. Quite honestly, as parents, we're responsible. And so whatever consequence my son or daughter has to go through, I have to walk them through that to teach them how to bear up underneath uh, repercussions. And that's the gospel as well. That, you know, this is a very small microcosm of the gospel. God and Christ takes all of our sin away. But as we become filled with the spirit, the spirit comes to bear us up and to walk through the difficulties of life because we're not perfect yet. And so parenting, engaging with our children, we have this massive, beautiful mandate that we can reflect the beauty of the gospel and how we connect with young people and cultivate dignity. It is, it, we are in a game for winning hearts, not minds or beliefs. If we win the hearts of young people, they will, they will very rarely walk away from our faith. They will very rarely walk away from our families. If we can engage their heart, that is what we're after. Um, and that takes a lot wow. of humility and it takes a lot of dying to ourselves. And I'm the first one to say I'm terrible at it. But my only hope is that, you know, Jesus goes before me and equips me by the spirit to get better every day. That's awesome. What a great way for us to wrap up this episode. I let you just preach a message there at the <laughs> end. I'm so thankful for that. That's so good. You know, we, we all want the same thing. We want our kids to, to grow up in homes that are centered on Christ. Mm -hmm. And man, when you're in the throes of the day-to-day, -day, uh, particularly when things are rough for you as an adult, um, gosh, it, it can be difficult to have those right responses. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, TJ, and helping us learn some of those key practices that we can begin to, to implement in our parenting. You bet. Parents, I just want to encourage you as you've listened to what TJ had to say today, what is one thing, just be prayerful. What is one thing that you heard today that you thought, I can begin to implement this um, on my parenting journey. I, I can begin to uh, interact with my, my child this way. I just want to encourage you in that. And also TJ has given us a series of resources. Some of them are for purchase books that other people have written and things like that, just things that he recommends. And we're going to have those available to you for you to click on links available to you for you to click on and decide if you want to um, purchase those or what have you. Gosh, again, TJ, thank you so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really thankful for, for you, Allie. And just for all of life, the church and, and, you know, the mission that God has given you all to participate in and uh, just thankful for you. So thanks for giving me the time to spend with you. So absolutely. All right, parents, we'll see you this weekend at church.